Welcome to the More Than Just a Type podcast, a place where we explore what it takes to live your best life. I'm your host, Taja Cato, expert in type 1 diabetes and fat loss, entrepreneur, and lover of all things fitness and personal development. Each week, we'll bring you a tangible tool, tip, or insight that'll inspire you and empower you to take action, achieve your goals, and live your best life. So my boyfriend literally thinks I'm crazy because I I'll, I will admit that I am super in, into like astrology and all of that kind of stuff. I find it so fascinating. And on Friday night, I was having a bit of a rough one. I, I this like, you know, I was just going through a few days. I think it was with like the eclipse going on and Mercury retrograde and just my emotions were at an all-time high. And I don't know if that means anything to you at all, but I literally looked up my birth chart. And I don't know if you've ever had your birth chart done or like your astrological birth chart, but when you look at it, so I, I'm like a freak and I went online and I read the whole thing. Like I figured out like which house everything was in and then I like looked everything up. So I was able to essentially like read my birth chart, my astrological chart. And um, basically if that's something that you've ever thought about doing or you're interested in it or you're like, what's astrology? <laughs> it is really cool. And it tells you so many different things about not just like your personality, like your sun sign. Like when you think of astrology, normally you think of like your sun sign, but there's so much more than that because the sun sign doesn't really like tell you the whole story. And so when you actually look at like the time that you have, you need to know the time that you're born, but once you have that, you just look and you can, it, it just, t it tells you so much. It's like, literally a blueprint of your life. And so there's two things that you want to look at. And this is all like, I'm not an, an astro astrologer, <laughs> but just from what I read on my own. So your North node, it's also called the true node. And then that is directly across from your South node. So those are the two things that really are super interesting and really can, um, just help you learn so much about your karmic path in this lifetime. And so your North node is essentially like your karmic path in this lifetime, like where you are meant to be going, like your purpose in life. And then across from that is your South node. So your South node is your like past lives. And so your past lives, like your South node is basically what comes naturally to you. So whatever you're, you're like good at in this lifetime, like whatever you are comfortable with, like it, it just, it's stuff that comes naturally. Um, and that is, so it's actually like the opposite that you are meant to be doing in this lifetime. So what comes naturally, and I'll just give you an example. So I'll tell you like what mine was all about. And also if you are turning 30 this year, like me, or if you are in your late twenties, um, you may be, you may want to look at your Saturn return. Cause I'm smack right in the middle of my Saturn return, which is really <laughs> when my dad gave me the book on Saturn return, he was like, like you, this is for you. He gave it to me, I think for my birthday when you're like in my late twenties. And he was like, welcome to adulthood. Like you need to read this because essentially like your Saturn return is it's basically just like a bunch of events and it like pushes you into your purpose in life and you just need to follow the direction and like not fight it because it's, it's like, it basically 
trying like the universe is like pushing you in the direction that you're meant to go and it's always around I think like 29 30 I think some people might even go through their Saturn return at like 28 but I'm reading up all this stuff my boyfriend my boyfriend thinks I'm nuts because he's like I don't know about any of that you know he's like whatever (laughs) but so your Saturn return is generally like a really you know there's there's ups and downs and I can really feel it this year for me like honestly there's been days when I have just been bawling my eyes out and I'm like I just feel like I'm there's so many like things that are hard but I can I can feel that it's like all like I'm growing and there's like so much that I'm learning but it's like really hard and I'm not even gonna lie and you might not even believe in some of this kind of stuff so I might you might think like my boyfriend does you might think I'm kind of crazy but I wanted to share it with you because if you guys are at a place right now like where you are hitting your late 20s or you're turning 30 you might be feeling like this heaviness and all of these changes happening in your life but I just want you to know that everything's happening for you not to you and for me just knowing that you know knowing of Saturn return and like reading these things in my chart it all just kind of like gives me a little bit of comfort (laughs) but essentially so I'll give you an example with the north nodes and the south nodes so what I learned from looking at my chart is because my south node is in the 10th house and it is in Leo my my past lives it, it essentially said like I could have been famous in a past life and I, I put so much effort into my career and into having recognition from others. And so that's the kind of stuff that's going to come naturally to me in this lifetime. And I can totally feel that because ever since I was a little girl, I've always done acting and modeling and I've always been, you know, trying to do these things on that level. But, and it says also too, like, those are the things that's going to come naturally, but then your karmic path in this lifetime might seem very foreign. So my karmic path in this lifetime, so my north node is in the fourth house and it is in Aquarius. And it says like, my karmic path is all about um, my home and my family and just building my roots. Like everything that I do in this life has to come from a place of like my home and my roots because in a past life, like I didn't put enough attention to that area and I kind of just um I yeah I didn't I didn't make that a priority and so in this lifetime that's one of my lessons so it seems a little bit foreign but it also made a lot of sense to me so in this lifetime it's all about um just helping other people succeed and really focusing more so on my my roots so I don't know if you guys believe in any of that but it's definitely something to look up so if you know your your time of birth, then you could even go to like astro.com or um, yeah, I think astro.com is one of the best ones to get your birth chart. And then you can Google, like once you know your South and your North node, you can look those up and it'll tell you a lot about yourself. And it's actually pretty interesting stuff. All right, so enough about that because you guys are here to learn about sugars, managing sugars and diet, not about astrology. (laughs) So let's dive in. I'm super excited about this episode because I've actually learned so much the last few days of just different, um, different things when it comes to sugars and diet. And I feel like, you know, if you have type one diabetes, then you definitely know it's like, 
we never know everything because it's just a continuous learning experience. And I honestly feel as I get older, different foods affect my sugars differently. And it's just this continuous learning curve. And I wish that I could say that like once you learn the steps and you have it all honed in, then you're, you're smooth. It's smooth sailing from there. But that is not the case because our bodies are constantly changing. And so we just kind of have to go with the flow. I feel like, you know, so before further ado, let's dive in and let's dive into carbs. So I know that you're familiar with carbs and whether or not you have type one diabetes or diabetes, or you don't have diabetes, these tips are going to be super interesting to you. So when it comes to carbs, when you are trying to keep your blood sugar stable, the number Number one thing is just sticking to carbs that are more complex. So these carbs are have a higher content in fiber and they're just going to raise your blood glucose at a much slower pace. And when you are consuming quick carbs or simple carbs, these carbs that you will, I mean, I, I don't think you should ever limit like any sort of carb or limit anything from your diet. I think it's just about really becoming more aware of how different foods affect you as an individual and then learning how you can bolus for them more accurately. So it's really just a learning experience and everyone's going to be so different, but I think that's going to be far more beneficial than actually trying to limit certain types of carbs or certain things from your diet. But when it comes to quick carbs, so say you're, you're treating a hypo, the most important thing I would say is just patience because when, say you're at the gym and you go low and then you treat your hypo, you really don't want it to go the opposite direction. And so it's important just to stay patient so that you can treat it accurately and not end up with a high blood sugar afterwards because no matter what you're doing, like obviously you don't want to end up at the end of the spectrum. And what I've learned personally is that over the years, I am affected a lot differently by carbs. Like when I am treating a hypo, because back in the day, I would consume 15 to 20 grams of carbs when treating a hypo. And that's not what I need to do anymore <laughs> as a, an adult. So when I was in like my teens or my early 20s, it was always 20 grams of carbs that would treat my hypo. Now, if I have 20 grams of carbs, I am going to end up with a high blood sugar. And so I know a lot of us are taught by diabetes educators and just other people, like that's a general guideline for treating low blood sugar is to consume 15 to 20 grams of carbs. And while that might work for a lot of people, I think it's also important just to take that guideline and then see how you can customize it to your own body. Because again, our bodies are going to always be changing and now what I found is like, if I have a low in the middle of the night or if I'm at the gym, I normally start, depending on how low I am, I'll start with just one or two glucose tablets, wait a bit, and then consume another one if I need to. But generally a couple glucose tablets in the middle of a workout, if I'm dropping super fast, like that's going to do it for me. So it's also um, just learning how your body is affected and then whatever you're doing in that moment too. So maybe you're like on a super long hike and it's super hot out or something and your blood sugar is like literally plummeting in that case. Yeah. I might need to consume like even maybe more than 20 grams of carbs, but it's just, uh, just figuring out like what works best for you. And then just knowing that, you know, the guidelines we are given might need to be tweaked slightly for our own personal individual needs. 
So then when it comes to managing sugars and diet in regards to protein, protein is something that I feel like a lot of us are under consuming. And I mean, it's not like before you start a fitness program or something or whatever you're doing, it's not like you're keeping track of like every little thing you're eating. Usually, I mean, I wasn't at the beginning. It's not something I was like, all right, today I'm going to eat X amount of protein. Like, I think that's something you kind of pick up once you start maybe like a training program or you're getting more involved with your exercise or whatever. But generally speaking, for the majority of people, it's not like something that we're taught. Like we're taught to count carbs. We're not really count to count taught to count protein, but protein is something that I would recommend everyone just being a little bit more mindful of to make sure that you're consuming adequate protein. And there, I know there's a lot of things said about like, oh, protein is bad for your liver as a type one diabetic. But I think, and obviously this is not medical advice because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dietitian. I just have experience within the fitness background of things and experience being a type one diabetic for 20 years and, you know, working with other people. But protein is, uh, I think you'd have to be consuming like a lot, a lot, a lot of protein for it to ever be um, harmful for, you know, like a healthy individual. And then when it comes to protein and blood sugars, so this is something I did not know. And I went online because I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, like do this podcast episode and I want to give you guys all the info I can. So this is something I did not know, but a guideline for protein intake in absence of carbohydrates. So if you're just consuming protein alone, if you're consuming between 75 and 100 grams of protein in one sitting, it can increase your blood glucose similarly to that of 20 grams of carbs. So you may even notice that your blood sugar increases and maybe you even need to bolus for it like you are bolusing for 20 grams of carbs. I personally, sometimes I find that, you know, anything above 56 grams of protein for me, I will sometimes tend to do a little bit of a bolus, but I'm generally, it's very rare that I'm consuming just like sitting down for a meal and just eating like a 12 or 13 ounce chicken breast, you know, like I'm always pairing it with carbs, which is the other thing, because if you are consuming a smaller amount of protein, it can raise blood glucose levels when paired with at least 30 grams of carbs. So if you're consuming, say like 35 grams of protein and 30 grams of carbs, it's said that that amount alone will increase your blood glucose levels by 2.6 millimoles or 45 milligrams per deciliter after five hours. So, but on its own, you have to consume at least the guideline is 75 to 100 grams of protein um, for that to actually increase your blood glucose levels alone. And you might find that protein doesn't increase your blood sugar right away. So protein can cause a delayed effect approximately around an hour and a half post a meal. So you might find that to be true for you, but it's really just important to take these guidelines and just see how, how protein actually affects you. So I wouldn't want you to like go and bolus for, you know, pretend like you're consuming 20 grams of carbs and then, Hey, like what were you doing prior to that? Maybe you had a like super insane workout and maybe you're a little bit more insulin sensitive. So I would definitely take it slow, but just be mindful. Like if you are consuming a lot of protein in one sitting, it can raise your blood glucose. And then when it comes to eating high fat meals, like pizza. So I know that a lot of people struggle with this, myself included. I have still not yet found the perfect 
insulin to carbon fat ratio for pizza. And I think too, one of my issues is like when I sit down to eat pizza, I'm, I bolus for like the amount that I think I'm going to be eating, but then halfway through I'll be like, oh, but actually I, I want another slice, you know? And so then I'm constantly injecting more insulin to try to, you know, keep it my sugars level and so it never really goes as planned and a few hours later I'm either I either end up like super high still or I might even start crashing because I've just given myself way too much insulin for you know that extra amount or I just can't stop eating (laughs) so that is my issue but generally speaking when it comes to eating high fat meals so this again is just information that I have learned or heard so this is coming from Google University specifically Um, 35 grams of fat paired with 30 grams of carbs can raise blood glucose levels by 2.3 millimoles or 42 milligrams per deciliter after five hours and the effect um, when you add protein as well, so protein and carbohydrate, that can cause a rise of 5.4 millimoles or 98 milligrams per deciliter after five hours. So when you add all three together, it can just increase that delayed effect. Um, and a lot of people, they're like, you know, what is considered high fat? And I've ever even wondered this before myself. And so I think the biggest thing is just just knowing that like we're all so different and so therefore like we're all going to be affected slightly differently and I really don't think there's one set definition of high fat or high protein because we're all going to be so different and affected differently and then you know again whatever you're doing that day or maybe you worked out the day before. There's so many things that can actually increase your insulin sensitivity one day compared to another day. Um, So I think that also has to be taken into account because if you are, you know, sitting on an airplane one day, then eating a slice of pizza is going to affect you differently than if you eat a slice of pizza after like a super strenuous leg day, right? Like there's just so many variables. And so we're all going to be so different. And also I've heard like the studies that are there, they use varying amounts. So it makes it difficult to draw like a clear comparison overall of the, what's considered high fat or high protein. But I've also heard that a general rule of thumb is that anything above 20 grams of fat could be considered high fat. So it's just important to figure out like how that correlates with your blood sugars and how that translates to your body and just maybe keep in mind like, okay, so I'm eating, you know, 35 grams of fat in my meal. It might increase my blood sugars this amount. So just be mindful of that. But generally speaking, I do think like we all have to kind of just figure it out on our own and then take into account like whatever we've been up to that day or even the day before that might make us a little bit more insulin sensitive. And the other thing you want to think about when managing sugars and diet is nutrient timing. So basically the first step is just if you have a CGM, then you can look in spot patterns. And if you don't have a CGM, that's really fine too, but you'll want to make sure you're testing your glucose and really making an extra point of testing it at 
certain times of the day and look to spot trends. So when are you most insulin resistant? What time of day are you most insulin resistant? And when when are you most insulin sensitive? Like what time of day? Is there a pattern? Like are you going low at certain times of the day? Maybe it's after your workout. Just look and see if there's a continuous pattern there and then look and see if some of your highs might be a result of overcorrecting those lows. And after you have this data, you can that what's going to help you so much in just like fine tuning how you can have better control over your sugars with your diet. And then the second step is um, just to look at your meals and look at the types of foods that you're eating and look at your food choices and try to get in the habit of weighing your food and tracking your food intake, whether you are writing it down old school, writing down the meals that you're consuming or using an app like MyFitnessPal. I know there's so many different apps out there that you can use. And then weighing your food especially is going to help you just get better accuracy. So you know like, all right, I'm bolusing for 20 grams of carbs and I actually know that's exactly what I'm consuming, you know? And then this, the third step is to use that data to time your meals more accordingly. So the first step would be, are you more insulin resistant in the morning? And if you are, then consume fewer carbs at that time. And then the second thing to look at would be, are you dropping low right after your workout? Because if you are, then maybe time a good portion of your carbs to be part of your post-workout meal. And I find personally, it can be so helpful for this reason to know how many macros your body needs because when you are counting your macros, you know exactly how much protein, fats, and carbs your body requires every single day. And so it can be easier when timing these portions because you can time different portions based on a total number of the, of each macro for the day. And this can also make things just more consistent with your overall numbers because you're more consistent with your your routine and your meal timing and the amounts of food you're eating. So whether it doesn't matter if you're not eating the same thing every day, but the amounts of macros you're eating are going to be the same. So that consistency helps so much with your overall sugar control. And if macros is something that you want to learn more about, I have a special episode just on managing sugars with counting macros. I think it's episode number 17 or 18. And I also have an ebook that kind of explains macros a little bit more in detail. And you can grab that if you want at diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash lose weight with type one. And if you are interested in losing fat and you want to learn more about about macros. My fat loss for type ones course will be launching in early September and I'm super excited about it. It's going to be the last time we launch in uh, 2019 and I'm giving away the complete program to one free lucky winner and the winner will be announced in early September. So if you want to enter for your chance to win the complete fat loss for type ones program, just go to diabeticfitnessworld.com forward slash win. And I'll also link to all of these in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you are loving this podcast, which if you're still listening, then I'm sure you got something out of it. Please do just take a couple seconds to subscribe and leave me a review. It really does mean so much to me and it really does ensure that this podcast keeps doing its thing and it'll ensure that this podcast reaches more people who would love to hear this information. And next week, we are going to cover managing sugars with exercise. So if you're subscribed, you will be the first to know as soon as this episode has dropped. I can't wait to see you back here this time next week. Talk to you then.